Welcome to episode 123 of the Essential Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I'm John DeConte, sitting in for our normal host of inf- misinformation, Al Carl. And we're here to take you through the week that was and preview an exciting upcoming week of wrestling action. Powered, as always, by the Eastern Observer. I taste that power. You got to taste that power. I wouldn't exactly call Al normal. He's our usual host. It's not our normal host. <laughs> that is an excellent point, sir. <laughs> Here to help me stumble through it is our NXT guru. And number four, John Smith. <laughs> John, how are you this evening? You know what? I just noticed that Al laughs at the end of that. <laughs> I always thought it was him laughing on the podcast. I told him the same exact thing last week after the show. It took me that long to figure it out as well. <laughs> Unbelievable. Speaking of, ah, thanks, buddy. Aww. We miss you, of course. Okay, on tonight's show, we've got a heartfelt return to SmackDown that turned into a creepy one. Well, what else do you expect? It involved Bray Wyatt. We had a surprise return a couple of weeks ago by the Beast Incarnate on Raw, and that's going to lead us to a match at Crown Jewel that will fill our requirements for big man violence. The Impact World Champion Josh Alexander gets the same advice from absolutely everyone at Impact about what a scumbag bully Ray is, but will he heed the warnings? We'll main event the show with the huge dynamite card tonight from Cincinnati on a special night, but we'll kick things off with the main roster invading NXT tonight as we make our way towards the Halloween Havoc premium live event this weekend. And of course, our picks are sponsored by ProWrestlingPick'em.com. Play against your friends. Play against the universe. Oh, and here we are. Let's sorry, Let's get into the first graphics of the evening. Bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. I am a neophyte at this. Our our pro is off making things cool and smooth as ice somewhere else. Here are the raw roll-ups from last week. That's not the graphic I wanted to get to, though. <laughs> Here are the raw roll-ups coming into the week. AEW with a nice lead, and it was a pretty good week for roll-up, so we'll see how we add to that list coming up. Yeah, that was a pretty long list that you popped up there for a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we are making picks for Halloween Havoc, so of course we have to uh, show you how we're all doing for the season. And in case you forgot from last week, Brian Roy has an annoyingly large lead overall. Uh, he's also on top of the NXT standings and here's how the point scoring will be going for Halloween Havoc, which is big. It's a premium live event. So it's big time points for the NXT roster, 15 points for the main title, 
nine points for all other title matches, which there are a couple. Three points for non-title matches, and if anyone goes Hennig, it's 15 more points. All right, let's get into what happened on NXT last week that was unrelated. Uh, We had a nice uh, Kiana James vignette. We're always happy when she shows up. She's looking to buy the property of Chase U and turn it into Kiana James Enterprises. That'll wind up being funny at some point, I'm sure. Sounds like, really... pre- sounds like the premise of like an 80s movie. I, love I know. <laughs> well, she got at it with one of their students, Tia Hale, later on. Mr. Stone tried to get involved because he didn't like the fact that Tia Hale made him look stupid last week. All he did was serve as a distraction for Kiana James to hit her new finisher. It was some kind of a face buster, but it's got a great name. She calls it the 401k. She got the win. And we move on. Quincy Elliott was backstage hanging out with Hank Walker and the security team. They told Quincy that they will have Quincy's back tonight when he takes on Zion Quinn. That takes us to our first pick. Quincy Elliott and Zion Quinn. John Smith, what do you think? Quincy Elliott and Zion Quinn. Wow. That's tonight, right? Yes, sir. Uh... You know, I'm going to go with Quincy Elliott. He's the new guy on the block. Um, I still don't know where the heck they're going with his character. Yeah. So I don't think a loss really serves him at the moment. And Zion Quinn has just been a losing factory for the past few months. Yeah, yeah, he sure has. <laughs> so I don't think one more is really going to hurt him. No, no. He seems to be the guy who's you can run into backstage. He's big enough to make you think he could put on a good match, but right at this, at this point, he's not much more than enhancement talent. So I'm right with you. I think Quincy will take this one. Uh, last week we saw Wesley beat stacks pretty quickly. Uh, afterwards he was jumped by trick and Carmelo or Mensa helped out, made the save. We'll talk about that later when we get to the ladder match, but as it pertains to this evening, Tony D had some harsh words for Stax backstage, told him that his punishment is going to be another match this week. But he wouldn't tell him who his opponent was. Now, we already know there's going to be a lot of main roster presence on this card. Uh, Let's pick it as Stax versus question marks. But also, John, do you have any inkling as to who it might be coming down? I, I... This one totally got escaped me. I didn't think it, I, if you give me a second, I'm pulling up the the a, the NXT roster, but it could be somebody from the from the main roster as well. I'm assuming that whoever it is, it's gonna be uh you know their uh, stacks is gonna lose. Yeah. You know, no matter what the question marks are, I don't think he's gonna give them a tomato can. No. But um I don't know who you thinking. Uh my first thought was I saw all of a sudden I saw some uh some social media stuff about Kevin Owens being in the building. And then I went and listened to what he had to say. Apparently he's there for a specific reason. We'll get to that later. So not him. I'm thinking it's going to be somebody big. Uh, maybe even someone as big as Omos come down there just to wipe the floor with him. If not, maybe somebody else on the heel tip, like maybe someone like Otis, someone big who's just going to put a beating on him. Yeah, someone from the main roster you think it's going to be? Yeah because that seems to be the going uh, gimmick for this week. Yeah, I'm looking at the NXT roster. I can't imagine. I mean, like maybe Duke Hudson, but like, ooh, what's, that's not like a scary thing. But So, yeah, somebody from their main roster makes the most sense. 
Yeah. But I think we're in agreement. Stacks is probably taking another L this week. All right, moving along. Uh, we had a segment backstage last week with uh, Valentina Feroz. She was talking to Sanga, but asked him to be in her corner. She had a match coming up against Indy Hartwell. Sanga said yes. He followed her out to the ring. And then uh, Veer Mahan showed up. And it really, both of them with their hair up in the, 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 the man bun, they almost look like carbon copies of each other, other than the fact that Sang is about six inches taller. Uh, Veer said something in his ear. Sanga walked off. Valentina looked heartbroken because she lost her backup. Not that either one of them was going to get involved in the match. And Indy wound up uh, hitting a superplex for the win. And that much except bring out pretty deadly. And uh, they had some words for Indy. They congratulated her, but they were there specifically for the next match, John Smith, which was a triple threat number one contender match. Had that one work out? Yeah, so our tasty snacks cut a nice little promo up in the little bird's nest or whatever you want to call it off to the side of the of the crowd. Um, you know, Briggs and Jensen started off real strong, clearing the ring, and then they give pretty deadly a look, and then, you know, they give him the the Scott Hall back, like, ooh. Um, and the dyad take Briggs out with a backbreaker, a, a double backbreaker, or, you know, um, one jumped off the top rope and, like, you know, pushed him into the knee while he did the, the backbreaker. So that took Briggs out for a while, gave Dyad the, the upper hand, and they gave, gave all each other a hug. And if it's enough to make the make pretty deadly squirm, then you know you know that nobody should be doing that. You know that <laughs> that triple hug between the diet between the what oh the schism. Sorry. Yes. Why'd they name the dyad the dyad if they were just gonna name the three of them the schism? Why not just call them the schism? Oh, exactly. Know. Yeah, it didn't make sense to me from the start. <laughs> <laughs> so then you know uh Blade and Nofi end up getting the upper hand. They they look up at the champs. So I guess all three of them had to take their, their opportunity to look up at the champs. Briggs um, finally gets back in the ring. He tosses everybody out except for Anofi. And then he throws Anofi over the top rope into the other three of these opponents. Then he helps Jensen get up on the top, who does a somersault into the into the crowd. Um Get back in the ring. Dyad are about to superplex uh, either Anofi or Blade, I forget. And uh, Jensen gets underneath them, power bombs the both of them during the suplex. Um, then Gacy gets involved, takes Anofi out on the side, throws him back in the ring. Dyad's setting him up for the finish, but Grimes comes out, gives the cave in to Gacy, pulls out uh, one of the two. From the dyad, I forget which one. Sorry, Fowler, I think it was yeah. Fowler, yeah. I, I forget their names too. Now that they got yeah. different names, terrible with that. Pulls Fowler out, and the Nofi rolls up. Uh, what's what's the other one's name? Uh, Reed, I think now. Reed, yes. Rolls up Reed for a nice raw roll up for NXT and number one contendership for Malik Blade and Idris Anofi. Say that five times fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I can't tell them apart either. I, like, I literally have in my notes, one of them wears long pants, the other one wears uh, trunks. But, you know, right. <laughs> the, I, I have so many extra notes when it comes to NXT, NXT to remind me who this person is, who they're involved with, what their name used to be. 
it's ridiculous. Hey, you got to wear your name on your ass, all right, until we know who you are. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that leads us to all right. So that's that's set. We got an Offian Blade versus Pretty Deadly, but at the moment that's not scheduled for Halloween Havoc. And I checked about an hour before we went on, and it still wasn't. There was one update, but that wasn't it. But what it does lead us into tonight is Grimes, who knows that the schism is coming for him for messing around in that match, but doesn't have any friends on NXT. He showed up on the main roster. He got a couple of good brothers to come down to Orlando to help him out. So tonight we've got Grimes and the OC versus uh, all three of the schism in six man action. How do you see this one working out? I don't think the OC is coming down to NXT to lose. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going with them. You know, you magic killer, maybe a cave in after, or maybe they can coordinate some sort of triple magic killer with a cave in. That'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I see a, maybe a cave in taking out Gacy and then either one of uh, the former GYV takes a magic killer because we know that, we know the big LG is not taking a loss, and uh, that just makes sense. They're not coming down there to take an L. So, getting back again to last week, we had Albafire cutting a promo where she said she's going to burn down everything that Mandy Rose and Toxic Attraction have built. Toxic Attraction come back at her and say that they're going to get they're going to teach her a lesson for messing with their gold because she kind of cost them in the. Uh, the women's tag match, tag title match. So this led to Alba Fire taking on one half of Toxic Attraction, JC Jane. Three and a half minutes, gory bomb, it's over. But afterwards, Sonya Deville shows up out of nowhere, attacks Alba Fire uh, from the audience. It's a three-on-one beatdown that ends with uh, Alba Fire being powerbombed through the announce table by Sonya. And later backstage, Sonya tells Mackenzie that just because she and Mandy have had issues in the past means nothing. They're still best friends. I don't know how that happens with the issues that they had. But anyway, she's coming back tonight, and it's going to be Alba Fire against Sonya Deville tonight. But the match that got added last minute to the big card, where are we? is Mandy Rose defending her title against Alba Fire. So I put the question to you, John Smith. Does Alba get through Sonya tonight? And then does Mandy Rose's run finally come to an end on Saturday at Halloween Havoc? What say you? Um, I, I imagine Alba Fire is getting her butt kicked by four people tonight at some point, whether she wins or loses by you know, deceitful means, yeah. you know, that I think the, the end of the story tonight is going to be Alba fire on her back before, uh, before Halloween havoc. But when it comes to Halloween havoc, I still think Mandy Rose is top, top of the top of the food chain. I don't think Alba fire takes this. I don't think she's been, you know, she hasn't impressed me much. I'm not like saying that she's, any, she's not any good, but she's, she hasn't given me a reason to say like, Oh, she should be the next. You know, like we were saying, like we would have said about like EO, how we said it about Dakota and it never happened. You know, 
Okay, well, yeah, I think you're 100% correct that uh, tonight ends with uh, a four-on-one beatdown. And even though I agree with you that I don't think they've given us enough reason to believe in Alba, I got to think that, I don't know, man. I, I, I've, if I was betting, I'd have lost, you know, next month's mortgage and the following month betting against Mandy Rose in this run. But, I, I mean, this is this is our former forever champion, right? I mean, if anyone's going to do it, why not her? I'm going to say, you know, it may cost me nine points, but I'm going to say Alba Fire finally puts an end to the reign of Mandy Rose. If for no other reason, then maybe it's time for Mandy Rose to move on. What's the stipulation on the match? I forgot. Uh, you know what? Is it in the Because I literally just found out that it was happening. So there may, there may not even be a stipulation yet, at least. The dream match of nightmares with, you know, uh, like me at, I knew I should have spent all day on Twitter just seeing whether or not there were, you know, little 20-second clips up or something like that. Maybe they've explained it, but I don't know what the dream house or dream match of nightmares is. Maybe it's an inferno match. That, you know, <laughs> I would bet that there's going to be some fire involved. I, I think you got that part right. Absolutely. All right. So you're, uh, you're with Mandy Rose. I've got Alba Fire. We'll see which one of us loses the nine points. Moving along, last week we saw the Creeds and Ivy Nile go visit Roderick Strong in the hospital. He apologized for bringing Damon Kemp in, who's, you know, kind of shook up things at the Diamond Mine there, and told Julius that he has to win at Halloween Havoc because it's Diamond Mine forever. That takes us to the ambulance match between Julius Creed... And Damon Kemp, where if Julius Creed loses, Brutus Creed has to hit the road. He is done in NXT. How do you see this one working out? It's, this one's tough. Uh, the stipulation makes me re like really wonder what the hell is going to happen. Um mm -hmm. Because I, I don't think it like a tag usually a tag team wrestler in a singles match, especially a high profile one, typically loses. Yeah. Uh Kemp is just starting off his singles run, so he should be winning. Does Roddy get involved? Is Roddy a double agent all along? And does is Rod, are Roddy and Kemp on the same page? And Roddy costs the Creeds or costs Brutus or Julius Creed. Uh, I'm going to go with Kemp on this one, even though I don't know what they do. Maybe they, they plan on bringing the Creeds up to the main roster or something. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that, that Kemp wins, and I think maybe it's because Roddy is on his side secretly. Well, that, that's definitely an interesting way for that to play out. I'm going to go the other way for the fact that I, you know, like if I felt like the Creeds were ready to make the jump, I would be a hundred percent behind you on that, but man, their, their matches are still not that crisp. And I, I feel like they could use some more work. Now, what the hell do I know? So, you know, they could be on SmackDown the next day or a raw, you know, two days later on Monday. Uh, I'm going to say that they stick around because if Julius wins, Brutus gets his rematch with Kemp because he wants to beat the hell out of Kemp. Um, and I think that's almost like a secondary storyline. What my, my second question to you would be, 
Do you think there's any chance that I know the plans were originally for him to debut directly on the main roster? Do you think this winds up with Diamond Mind beating the hell out of Kemp and Kemp needs help and his brother shows up? Oh, his his brother is um the Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. Gable Stevenson. Okay. Um wow. Didn't think of that. That's you know, maybe <laughs> that you mentioned. I didn't even know that they were brothers, to be honest with you. When came when Kemp first came in, I was like, and who, like who the heck is this guy? And as I was doing my research, I'm like, oh, he's debuting before his brother. And then all the rumors were his brother was going to go straight to the main roster and blah 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 blah. But like that was a Vince thing. So I, I you know, I I think it's at least possible now that Triple H would say like, maybe we don't want to debut a guy on the main roster and make him go through all the growing pains right in front of us like Dom Mysterio. Maybe yeah, let him spend some time feet, in NXT. Yeah, let's get his feet wet. And, you know, if he's got that Kurt Angle about him, then he can move him straight to the main roster real quick. You know, they don't yeah. have to keep him there. Yeah, he doesn't have to stay there a year, year and a half. It could be two months if he shows the, you know, the, the in-ring acumen. So, anyway, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with the Creeds winning just because I don't think they're ready to move up. And uh, I guess we'll see how that one works out. So last week we had Cora Jade backstage with Mackenzie. Uh, she wasn't sure who she was going to pick to face Roxy because they're doing their pick, pick your poison this week. And then she heard Roxy was going up to the main roster. Uh, she was going to SmackDown to find an, an opponent for Cora. Cora got really pissed. She reached out to Rhea Ripley, who invited her to come up to Raw and talk to her. They showed up on the main roster. They each picked their poisons for one another. And this is going to lead to two matches tonight before we get to their match at the pay-per-view. So tonight it's going to be Cora Jade versus Raquel Rodriguez and Roxy Perez versus Rhea Ripley. And then eventually we come around to the Weapons Wild match at Halloween Havoc. So... With main roster people coming down to face these upstarts, I think tonight's going to get weird. How do you see these three matches working out? Yeah, uh, I think both the main roster women should end up winning. I, uh, does does Roxy get a get a raw roll up win on mm. on uh, Rhea? You know who could who could come and make that happen? Though does Beth show up at Phoenix or something to to you know I I, I don't think so. So I got Rhea winning. I got Rocks uh, Raquel Rodriguez beating Cora Jade. Um, although I could see Cora you know hitting her with her you know whatever she carries around now. Yeah, that blackened kendo stick or whatever. Yeah. Um, hitting her with that when the ref's not looking and stealing one. But uh, I got Roxy winning on Sunday or Saturday when, when when the points are on the line. I got Roxy beating, beating Cora Jade. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Uh, I th- yeah, I think it's time for uh, for Roxy to get that win in, in this fight. I had her winning the last one, and okay, so I was wrong and gladly took those lumps. But at some point, you know, the good guys got to get the comeuppance, and it seems like this would be the place to do it. You got the extra weapons uh, to to ma- help make it happen. As for tonight, man, I, you're absolutely right. I, why would you 
make Raquel take a loss when she's got a tag title match coming up. Uh, Rhea's a part of this big group. Why would you let her take a loss? But can you have both of these two take a loss going into their Halloween Havoc match? I got a feeling we don't get a clean finish on either one of these. They both turn into schmas at some point or in some way. So Word. Well, I guess we'll see how that all works out. Uh, and that leads us to the Weapon Wild match, which we just picked. Okay, now we come down to the two biggies for Saturday. This past week, we saw Nathan Frazier get the uh, win in the rubber match against Axiom. He is the last man added to the North American ladder match, North American Championship ladder match, and he did it by way of chiching the raw roll-up. Uh, also on that card, as I discussed earlier, Wesley beats Stax. Wes is also in that match. Uh, we saw Von Wagner cross paths with Mr. Stone backstage after he had his little thing with Thea Hale and got embarrassed again. And Wagner kind of shook him by the, you know, the lapels and told him enough of that BS. It's now it's time to concentrate on helping me win the North American ladder match. And do, 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 do. that is the one we're going to pick. This is a five-way ladder match for that North American championship. You've got uh, you got Nathan Frazier. You got Oral Mensa. You got Mello. <clears throat> pardon me, the former champ. You got Wesley, and you got Von Smash. Who are you picking in this one? Uh, this one seems like it's the Wesley story. You know, like he, he's. Scratched and clawed ever since his partner got just like yanked away from him out of nowhere, and he's really proven himself in singles competition now. So I'm gonna go with him. I mean, Oral Mensa, they could put it on him just to like make him relevant immediately. Sure. Um, you know, I don't think Nathan Frazier, I don't think Carmelo is gonna be a three time, you know, so. I'd say it's between Wes and Oro Mensa, and I guess Von Wagner could always win, but, you know, the big men never win these ladder matches, yeah. you know? I mean, Kane did it once, and when Otis did it, the briefcase fell in his lap. He, didn't, he wasn't even on the ladder. So I'm, I'm going to go with Wesley. I feel like I'm playing the odds on this one. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you had to say there. I think if this has been – if this hasn't been leading to a Wesley victory – like, I don't know, I, what, what do you do with him next? And this is a way nobody has to take a pin from a guy who looks like he weighs about 145 pounds. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think Wesley climbs that ladder, maybe, you know, does it in some kind of spectacular fashion. But I think uh, that's your new North American champion. Uh, so the show opened with a certain backstage big mouth getting a little comeuppance. John Smith, you want to run us through that one that uh, opened the show with the world champ there? Yeah, Braun Breaker versus Javier Bernal, a.k.a. Big Body Javi. He's like he's that guy that gives himself his own nickname. Exactly. It's basically who he is. Um, Braun just schooled him right off the bat. This thing went two minutes longer than it really should have. Um, uh, Javier Bernal ended up – taking advantage for, you know, maybe three moves, but then celebrated instead of staying on him. And then bing, bang, boom, he's gorilla press, power slam, one, two, three. The real story is then afterwards, because J.D. McDonough was at, at the announce booth the whole time, at the commentary table, I mean, 
he comes in the ring and he they start jaw jacking at each other. Ilya Dragunov's music hits, and this is really obnoxious. <laughs> I wasn't there when it originated, so now it's like, why is he doing this? You know? <laughs> I'm sure there's a reason for it. I'm sure he didn't in his debut come out like that. And if he did, I was then he got something else. But uh, you know, then you know the things break down. You know, JD and Braun start punching each other. Ilya gets involved, and he's he goes and in for his signature flying kick slash knee slash whatever it's called. And JD moves out of the way and he hits Braun Breaker instead with it. And, oh, no, I didn't mean that to hit you. <laughs> yeah, so that – and I, apparently Dragonoff was satisfied at that point. And no no apologies for uh, delivering – what do you used to call it that we're not allowed to say anymore? Torpedo Moscow. <laughs> we're, we're not worried about – that kind of stuff. He hits him with the torpedo, uh, and he was on his way out. Then he crossed paths with Grayson Waller in the parking lot, and Waller, of course, immediately pissed him off because, you know, he's a jerk and he'll do that kind of stuff. So Ilya decided to stay around, and they fought later in the evening. I think that was the last match of the night. And dragging off this way, it went 11 minutes, so you got to see some good stuff out of both of them. But eventually, once again, the torpedo took care of Waller. So Waller, unless they book something for him tonight, he goes into... Where is it? There it is. He goes into NXT's Halloween Havoc against Apollo Crews. And I get... Oh, he's it's a spin-the-wheel-make-a-deal match. So I guess we haven't figured out the stipulation for this one yet. So... Yeah, it's either going to be a street fight, no DQ, or <laughs> you know, like, you know, like seventeen names for the same type of match. Exactly. That's like two thirds of the wheel is basically the same thing with a goofier name. Right. Uh, at least wait. Is Chucky going to be spinning the wheel again? I almost said at least he's not, but he's <laughs> spinning the wheel again. It's entirely possible. <laughs> um. So Apollo crew, I'm I'm going with Apollo on this one. Um, it, I mean Waller does need need the win, like he's the young guy, but like why is Apollo here? You know, like why is he here to just have like normal feuds with random guys? Why is he not involved in a title chase? I don't know, but um, he I I don't think he he should be losing either. So I gotta go with him. I completely agree. You know, when he first came uh, down uh, to NXT, when he first showed up at NXT, let's not, you know, insult the NXT folks. Uh, when he first showed up, I thought for sure he was going right to Braun, just like Ziggy did, uh, Ziggler did. You know, go right after the champion, even if I didn't expect him necessarily to take it from uh, Breaker, but I thought that that was on the horizon. And then all the stuff happened with NXT UK, and you've got all these other excellent folks you know to get involved and all of a sudden i don't know what you know what are they doing with them so i'm gonna agree with you i'm gonna say that they keep uh apollo cruz relevant by letting him win here but once again i've also gone broke uh betting against waller so i would not be entirely stunned to be wrong once again uh okay hold on just a second because we've got something very special happening right now uh -oh. do, 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 do. 
Look who's here. <laughs> oh, top of the morning to you. <laughs> Welcome. Don't even know. Do you know what? I need to apologize to all and sundry and everybody around. I literally was sitting, my, my wife stuck her head in about two minutes ago and went, um, I, I had about an hour and a half ago completely fell asleep on this spot watching the TV and she suddenly realized, I was like, I think the TV's on. She, th she heard music and wasn't sure if it was the podcast or the TV. I thought she'd take her chances and then open the door and went, eh, I had to come and put me and go. So I, I owe 7 million push-ups. So for me, <laughs> one for each viewer right <laughs> <laughs> well welcome aboard gary let's let's uh let's put you to work right off the bat let's have you uh pick some of the matches that we've already gone through here um right. uh where did we start where we started with do, 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 do. uh <coughs> we don't care about the stacks match let's go you know what let's go right for this one Boom. Who do you have winning the women's title? You've got uh, Alba's got a match tonight against Sonia Deville, but the big money comes on Saturday when she gets that shot at Mandy Rose. I'm still going to go. I, I'm, I'm convinced that um, Mandy Rose and everyone, are they're going to all end up on the main roster soon, so I'm going to go Alba Fire. Why not? I'm going to go for her, the title change, and then uh, they can all come up to the main roster the weekend after. What a surprise. You went against John Smith's pick. <laughs> <laughs> but you're in good company considering he tends to get most of the NXT stuff wrong. Uh, excuse me, right. When you're <laughs> wrong, at least you'll be with me being wrong and both, exactly. of, us, both of us losing. But the thing is, the thing is, as as per the commentary that Vic Joseph said this week, I, I do think that John's a little bit like Wade Barrett, that when Mandy Rose comes in, he's afraid to stand up. Just in case the table turns over. So it's like, uh, I think that's why. So, But who could blame him? Let's be honest. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Our next one up, uh, the ambulance match between Julius Creed and Damon Kemp. Uh, remembering that uh, a Julius win gets Brutus a rematch against Kemp because they he just wants to beat the hell out of him. But a Kemp win means that Brutus, not Julius, his opponent, but Brutus is out of NXT. You got that one, sir. It, it, this is one of these on the on the toss of a coin. I wasn't quite sure, to be honest, because again, I think that the 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 that the creeds might go up, but I'm gonna say that that in this one, the creeds are gonna the creeds are gonna win it. Damon Kemp's gonna take the loss, and that he'd be on the ambulance. So. All righty, uh, we were split on that one too, but neither one of us had a, a really good feel as to exactly what was gonna go on. Uh, then let's go to the North American ladder. North American, I did it again. Jesus, the North American <laughs> Championship ladder match. You got your boy Frazier in there, you got Oral Mensa in there, and then you got the uh, U.S. mainstays, Mello, Wesley, and uh, Neanderthal man. Who you yeah, got? what the, well, is it the song says one of these things is not like the other. Um, let's say when you have. When you have the, the four there plus, as you say, um, I'm gonna go. I've, I changed my mind a day or two ago, and I'm gonna go Wesley. I think there's a story there of of him coming through, whatever. So I'm gonna say Wesley. All righty. 
Wesley. So you are in agreement with both of us on that one. Oh. Okay. Then uh, then we get to the little ladies in the weapons wild match between Cora Jade and Roxy Perez. I think we're all winners here, um, <laughs> personally. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to go uh, Roxanne for this one. Very good. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement on that one as well. Then we get to uh, we get to the big one here. Um, we just got through breaking down how Braun Breaker threw a beating to Javier Bernal, how Dragonoff beat Waller to teach him a little bit of a lesson. But because at the end of the Breaker Bernal match, JD and Ilya wound up in the ring, and Ilya accidentally delivered a torpedo right to the chin of the champ. After the Ilya Waller match, Braun not only climbed into the ring, but was so excited to deliver a receipt, he jumped out of his one of his shoes, literally, in mm -hmm. spearing Ilya. And this takes us to our main event on Saturday night, the triple threat match for the NXT Championship, Ilya Dragunov, J.D. McDonough, and your defending champion, Braun Breaker. We'll throw this one right to you, Gary, to start. We, neither one of us have picked it yet. How do you see it working out? I I think that for for all of my backing of JD over the time, and as much as John and I have gone back and forth when that's old Santos, I think that he's there to take the fall, that JD is going to be the one on his back. And I... Why not? Let's go. Go beggar. Go home. Let's go. Ilya Dragunov gonna gonna pin JD and we'll have a new champion. All right, all right. Uh, John Smith, how do you see this one working out? Hey, if it were up to me, Braun Breaker wouldn't have had this title this long. But that being said, I I don't think they're taking it off of him yet. I'm I I got him pinning JD and. You know, then Ilya comes out clean, and I don't know who they're going to put it on next. I just, I don't know. Ilya came out of nowhere, and it's like usually that doesn't work out well for that person that does that. So I'm, I'm going with Braun. Okay, all right. I am going to side with Gary on this one. Just that I, I feel like what else do they? You know, John Smith, you said this too. Kind of, I don't know what else they do with Braun. But, and part of me is torn with these are kind of the Vince McMahon rules that Ilya Dragunov fits that mold of young and, you know, not too terribly small, but still can work. Like, he's the, if, if you're going to put it on anyone, I think, on that roster right now, I think he's the guy. So why not do it here where Braun doesn't have to take uh, the pinfall? So the one thing we all agree on is that, unfortunately, it looks like Mr. McDonough is going to be the one counting the lights in the PC this Saturday. Okay, that and that wraps it up for our picks. But I think the guy that should be next champ is Cameron Grimes. Just throwing that one out there. I, I think he's the most over guy that. on the roster. Yeah, yeah. I just the, the his placement in this roster and the 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 things that they've gotten him into it just doesn't. It feels like his time had like it, he should have gone maybe right from the North American to a program with Braun. And it feels like the influx of UK kind of bumped him aside. But I agree with you. I would love to see that happen. 
Word. And here is how our fearless leader sees it all breaking down. He's got Braun Breaker retaining. He's got Alba finally uh, knocking Mandy off her perch. Grayson Waller, Wesley, that he's been calling for quite a while. I believe we all agree on Cora Jade, and he's got Julius Creed. All right. So that does it with Halloween Havoc and tonight's NXT. Let's jump back to last week's SmackDown, where we saw Karrion Cross and Scarlett apparently had been in an accident in the parking lot uh, before we, things went on the air. And as they were tending to business, Drew McIntyre attacked Cross, was, was just a few seconds away from slamming his head in a car door when refs and agents pulled the two of them apart. But that took Karrion Cross out of what was supposed to be a fatal four-way number one contenders match at the end of the night where he was supposed to face Ricochet, Solo Sokoa, and Sheamus for the number one contendership to the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, so right now we don't, you know, we don't know what's going on with him at the beginning of the show. We jump into the show proper and we have the new day coming out. They know that the Usos are about 30 days from breaking their all-time tag team championship record. That record's very important to them. So look for that feud to come back around again shortly. But in terms of this evening, it's Kofi Kingston against Sami Zayn. And before the match, Roman calls in to Sammy, asks to speak to Jay while they're in gorilla position, and you can just tell from the look on Jay's face, he's not happy when he told them last week to make sure Sammy didn't lose, so tonight he had better make sure Sammy doesn't lose. And that's kind of how it played out. You had an almost 15-minute match between Sammy and Kofi. It was a good match. It ended in a roll-up, but Jay... The, you know, the old move that the Usos used to do where they'd slide in and just kind of put their feet on someone. Well, he actually put the boots to the two of them and helped roll Kofi's roll-up over so that it was the Sammy roll-up. Sammy got the one, two, three. And afterwards, Sammy, Jay was looking for a little bit of credit, maybe a thank you. Sammy was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I did that on my own. So mm -hmm. Jay Uso continues to have smoke coming out of his ears at the end of every segment. <laughs> That involves Sami Zayn at the very least. Uh, John Smith, this one I think is right up your alley. Uh, we had L.A. Knight making his kind of re-debut and taking on his former charge, Mansoor. How did that one play out? Uh, I think you mean Mansoir. <laughs> I, I am so sorry. You are 100% correct, sir. <laughs> this one went pretty much how we all thought it might go. Uh it barely made three minutes. Um, L.A. Knight knocked Marseille off the edge of the, the ring when uh, when he was trying to get involved. Turns around. It looked like he was setting up for the stunner, the way he hits his finisher. Yeah. And he hits uh, blunt force trauma for the three. But then he grabs the mic and just straight up turns right back into a heel. <laughs> Tells everybody basically GFY. I don't remember what he said, but it was – Something to that effect, like I don't need you. Yeah. You know, and you know the LA Knight era is beginning. Yeah, he did. And, and he he was getting all this face pop and all this love, and the first words out of his mouth were, you know, you're all a bunch of incels. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice, nice talking to you there, buddy. Uh, okay, moving along, we had uh, we had Braun Strowman uh, in another two on one handicap match. That I don't know why we're doing this again with the local talent. 
the, the big stinger here was that MVP and Omos made their way through the crowd and were basically right at the barricade uh, at the end of this, I don't know, one and a half minute match so that Braun Strowman could eye them up as he monster bombed one unfortunate fellow onto the other unfortunate fellow and stepped on their chest for the one, two, three. MVP gets a microphone and says that, you know, basically, yes, Braun, you are a big man. Yes, Braun, I do respect your size, your strength, your ferocity, but Omos makes even you look ordinary. And monsters aren't real, but giants are. Look for them to have something together this week on SmackDown as Omos is making the trip over from Raw to SmackDown. They don't have a match booked at this point, but that's something you got to figure they're going to get in each other's faces. Damage control. Uh, they were backstage when, uh, who was it, Roxy came through and she was looking for someone uh, to uh, be part of her Pick Your Poison. They didn't like the fact that she picked Raquel, who was also there talking to Shotzi. Damage control came strolling up. Bailey said, I was the right pick. And they decided to all fight about it in a six-woman tag where Roxy countered the rose plant into a roll-up, but Bailey was able to counter that with a crucifix and get the one, two, three on Roxy. But more importantly, that leads us to tonight's match, or excuse me, this week's match, where Damage Control, the tag title portion, our friends Kai and Ty, uh, Kai and Sky, <laughs> my God, are taking on Raquel and Shotzi for the Women's Tag Team Championship. Gary, how do you see this one working out? I still, the whole way along, I was like, it's just going to happen. I'm still going to go damage control. I'm still going to go with the, the Sky and Kai will, will kind of will keep it. And I was shocked that Perez was the one that got beat last week, mind you, in, in that SmackDown match. But um, I'm going to say that damage control will, will have the win. All righty. John Smith, how about you? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to second that. But I think they're holding on to those until Bailey ends up with the world title so they can have all the belts. Absolutely. Makes perfect sense. I agree. Uh, moving along, we had another vignette from the Viking Raiders where presumably Sarah is uh, saying, you know, the destruction begins, Valhalla awaits. At some point, the Viking Raiders are going to come back. You know, obviously the tag team division is kind of on pause right now because of who has the belts, but they're coming. Uh, then we had Legato making their in-ring uh, return. Uh, this one was over really quick. Zelina took out B-Fab. Santos pulled Adonis off of the apron's edge, and uh, Wild and Del Toro hit that leg sweep enziguri thing that they do that now finally has a name. It is El Sacrificio. And uh, Legato got the one, two, three, and uh, look for this one to continue. I mean, Hit Row and Legato never really finished things in NXT. I'm glad that they're doing it again here. Uh Moving along, we had uh, Sonya backstage with Kayla. Uh, she's trash-talking Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan attacks her out of nowhere, bounces her off everything in the backstage area, lays her out on a table, climbs a scaffolding, puts Sonya through the table. That takes us to this week on SmackDown, where Liv Morgan will face Sonya Deville. John Smith, what do you say about this one? 
it's um, Sonya Deville and who again? Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan, yes, sir. Um, yeah, they're going to give this one to Liv Morgan. I think you know she just lost the belt. They're not going to have her lose this match too. I would have to agree with you, Gary. Are you on board? Yeah, that'll be three for that. I mean, you know, I'm not necessarily the biggest. The Liv Morgan hasn't quite clicked with me over the last while, but I think she's having this new sort of character turn. As I say, I think that Sonia will be losing this one. Yeah, so Liv the win. Okay, all agreed on that one. All right, so back at the top of the show, we mentioned Karrion Cross getting attacked. He wasn't, we weren't sure, but it turns out, yeah, he's not going to be medically cleared in time. He's not making it. Also, in the middle of the show, Rey Mysterio showed up to talk to Triple H. He pulled him aside and said, look, I, I can't deal with what's going on with my son, all the drama. I'm not going to find him under any circumstances. I quit. I'm done. I'm ready to walk away. Triple H said, well, not so fast. Pulled him into his office. They had a chat. We get to the main event. Uh, it was, again, supposed to be a fatal four-way. Ricochet, Solo Sokoa, and Sheamus, along with Karrion Cross. Well, turns out Rey Mysterio got plugged in. Gary, uh, I didn't get a chance to ask you before time. Did you Did you get a chance to watch SmackDown? Did you, did you see yeah, this one? I have, I have seen SmackDown, yeah. I was I was very shocked. I'm still not sure. Sorry, linked to this quite what. With that carrying cross, I'm not sure if it was meant to be Drew had tried to run them off the road or not. I haven't quite. I thought at first it wasn't, but it appears that it might have been, but. No, I mean this. This match was great. I was I was shocked. It was good to see Ray put into it. Um, when you had Sheamus obviously teasing, fighting with Solo, and then Ricochet wiped them out. Uh, I thought Ricochet looked good during the match. Um, but Sokoa kind of had recovered, and he had he had gone through a few people just before the break. It was a bit of a a, a Tara, Tara Doom spot, obviously, which was a, a great a great looking spot. Um, Seamus had uh, towards the end of it, Sakura ready to tap Jay Uso and Sami Zayn getting involved. Uh, the rest of, of the Braun Brutes, Boots and Ridge came down um, to join the fight, leaving Rey Mysterio and Ricochet there. And eventually, after a bit of back and forth and teasing of the 619, uh, Rey Mysterio headed to take the win. So, as a result, no. poor, poor little Rey. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> gets a match with Gunter, which I have a feeling after about two or three chops, he's going to be right back at Triple H's door saying, I, I want out. Just, uh, please, get out of here. It's going to be the most brutal match of, of Ray's career. And I remember that time that Big Show strapped him to a to a stretcher and then picked – or like the arm thing, and he picked it up and swung it like a baseball bat against the ring post. And he's gonna he's gonna look back on that like it was nothing compared to what <laughs> gonna do to him. Uh, totally agree. And then uh, there there's no pick or there's no match to talk about here. But we would be remiss if we didn't at least mention that the show closed. That was the main event in terms of in ring bell to bell action. But the show closed with Bray Wyatt coming out, and after his creepy but fantastic return at the pay per view, we were all ready for more of that. And it didn't start off that way. Uh, Bray came out and was just being himself and thanking the fans and talking about how, you know, what a rough year he had had and how much it had meant to him that everyone was on board with him. And then, of, of course, because it's Bray Wyatt, it got weird. <laughs> the, the, the Tron lit up uh, with a figure on it wearing the mask that Bray wore at Extreme Rules before. And it's it's not like we're all guessing at this point. 
He pulled it off. It was that mask. He pulled it off, revealed himself right at the end of the show before the lights went out. And now this figure on the screen is with a cryptic message and it's like it's purposely not really good reception so you're not hearing all of it but it was something to the extent of what i was able to copy down was oh little one come with me your life is done forget the future forget the past you have no idea who you're dealing with but oh you will and the show ends with that upside down butterfly that they've stolen from uh, silence of the lambs that's uh, bray's new logo Either either one of you want to jump in here? Do you have any idea? Like, is this just uh, bronze, bronze, Jesus, Bray's split personality talking to himself? Or is someone else actually going to be involved right off the bat in a feud with Bray? Oh, I, I think, well, he had like the red light on one side, the blue light on the other. So he's got this, I, I think, some sort of split personality thing going. I mean, the guy that was talking on the video, it didn't really sound like Bray, but you could do anything with computers nowadays. Yeah. Um, you know, I tried to listen to it a couple times to see if they had like the same type of inflections and the way they talk or whatever. I, I would say that it probably was him talking. Um, so I think it's just, you know, he's going to be fighting uh, like the demon inside of him for a while and it's not going to be like like a horror thing like The Fiend. It's just going to be weird, you know? Makes sense. Gary, any, any anything to add? Yeah. No, I, mean, I think the same. Like, as John was saying, actually, it was the one thing when I, when I got up on Saturday morning, I watched it first on SmackDown and then watched the rest of it and then watched it again and watched it again to try and figure out was it him, was it not him? And I do think it is going to be some sort of internal conflict sort of thing with himself as he says that some sort of split personality thing how they do it i don't know but i i, mean, I have to say the promo itself i loved i thought acting wise even he gave a great performance i he just he's come over tremendously hopefully it'll carry across into the ring but he really has almost revitalized himself again yeah so uh, we'll we'll see i'm sure uh I, I i think he's staying on smackdown uh it seems to be that'll be his new home I guess maybe we'll see some more on Friday. Jumping to last night, Raw opened with Bobby Lashley already in the ring and already talking to the crowd. And basically, when we got to tune in, we heard him call out Brock Lesnar. Brock comes out, but I guess he was taking a little too long for Bobby. And uh, Bobby met him in the aisleway, and they started, and it got ugly quick. The first, uh, you know, uh, Brock beat him kind of to the ring, bounced him off the ring post a little bit. By the time they got around the side of the ring, Bobby speared him through the barricade. Then he speared him across the announce desk. I guess it was supposed to break. It didn't. So he just picked him up and slammed him on it again to put him through it. At, at the, like 20, 25, maybe 30 refs, uh, agents, security, and even part of the locker room were out there to pull these two apart to make sure that they didn't ruin what's going to be, I guess, the semi-main event at crown jewel because by the end of the night we learned that this one is booked you're going to get brock lesnar and bobby lashley the match we all wanted when bobby was the champion or when brock was the champion either way uh we're finally going to get it and uh it's it's nice it doesn't it doesn't matter who wins it, we're just going to get our big man violence on in saudi arabia and uh that's coming down the road that's november 5th so we're not going to pick that just yet so i'm going to try and make myself shut up and move along uh, the first in-ring match was the return of the OC. 
they took on the Alpha Academy. Uh, John Smith, did you catch this one? How had this work out? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, Alpha Academy always the always a good time, always there to lose usually, and it's and nobody really cares because they're awesome. And if you don't feel that way, you should shoosh. Uh, he hit the magic killer on Gable for the win. Um, afterwards, the Judgment Day came out. Um, they challenged the OCE to a six-man tag, and AJ accepted. But then AJ also challenged Dom for a match to a match later on in the night. You want to jump right into that one? I know you didn't like the outcome, but uh, might as well might as well roll with it. Yeah, what the what is it? Christmas early for Dominic Mysterio. He's he gets to put AJ Styles on his list of singles victories. Uh, I mean, Finn and Damian Priest they uh, they got involved, and then they the OC was at ringside also. But the wild card there is Rhea. You don't have a woman on the other side, so Rhea is just do whatever the hell she wants because <laughs> nobody's allowed to hit her back, right? Mm-hmm. He interferes. And uh, Dom gets a nice raw roll-up on AJ Styles. I, I was slack-jawed watching that play out. <laughs> All right, so we had uh, we had Damage Control uh, taking on Bianca Belair and Candice LeRae. So this is the, this is uh, Kai and Sky, uh, but it was no mention of it being for the titles. Uh, didn't much matter because uh, damage control would take the win when they hit some kind of they, Bailey and Bianca got into it at ringside, so Bianca was not involved in the finish. Candace was left alone, and they, they did some kind of double, so like they kind of picked her up by their legs and flipped her backwards. I, it was an interesting maneuver, I, I don't really even know how to describe it completely, but Dakota made the cover. Uh, they got the win, did damage control the women's tag champions. And backstage later with Byron Saxton, they reminded us that they have already gotten rid of Alexa and they've already gotten rid of Asuka. Uh, next up on their hit list is Shotzi and Raquel for the tag titles. And Bailey said that next week she will take on Bianca again and remind Bianca just how bad it can get for her when Bailey is back in control. Now, there's been no mention of this being a title shot. I, I kind of understand that because Bailey hasn't necessarily done anything to earn it because she just lost to her, but I don't understand really the point of the two of them fighting if it's not for the title. But going with this, it's Bailey versus Bianca again next Monday on Raw. Gary, how do you see this one working out? If if it's for the title, and I'm with I'm with John Smith and what he said earlier on, that Bailey will end up winning it so that we've kind of got damage control having all the belts. So if, if that's if it ends up being for that, I think that Bailey will will take it. John Smith, you think this is where she gets it done, or, or do we put this off again? Um, I, I think it's gonna end up being non-title, but Bailey should end up winning it and then she'll have a claim to get that title match, which she will eventually win. Agreed. Yeah, I, I believe uh, Bailey should. Uh, once again, there's always a chance that with all the extras involved, this winds up being a schmoz. But I think if we get a finish here and it is non-title, it should be Bailey winning so that they can set up some, that next title match. Okay. Uh, we had uh, Riddle backstage with Kathy Kelly. Welcome back, Kathy Kelly. Uh, he says Seth Rollins can make all the excuses he wants about his loss in the fight pit. 
they're fighting tonight for the U.S. title. And when Riddle wins that title, he has promised Mustafa Ali that he will give him the title shot that he feels he deserved because earlier in the evening, Ali asked Rollins for a title shot. And Rollins kind of said, like, eh, kind of blew him off. Ali said, no, I'm going to be a problem for you. I'm going to stay in your face. So you give me a title shot. And they wound up scrapping right there. You know, Rollins started giving him some compliments. It was all just a setup to sucker punch him. Ali came back at him. Rollins stomped him. Uh, that's for later. That rolls through to the main event. The main event was Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle for the United States Championship. Gary, did you catch this one? Did, did you stay up all the way to the end of Raw? No, I haven't. To be fair, I haven't. I haven't caught that one. I've seen what happened, but I haven't. I haven't seen it. If you want to far away. Okay, yeah. So uh, Elias had made his re-debut just before that, and uh, thank God Seth Rollins came out when he did because Riddle had come out with his bongos and. Uh, Elias, it turns out, is just as bad on the keyboard as he is on the guitar. He had a special song uh, he was getting ready to play for us. <laughs> I was never happier to hear Rollins' entrance music. <laughs> we move right into the match, and Elias is at ringside. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have a beef with anyone, but he stuck around for the match because now him and Riddle, I guess, are good buddies. I don't know. Uh, so uh, Rollins tries a, uh, a frog splash winds up right back in Riddle's triangle, just like he was at Extreme Rules, uh, except this time he used the old Rampage move to pick him up and buckle bomb him to get his way out of it. Uh, Rollins rolls out, and he dares Elias to hit him. He's looking for a DQ. He just wants out of this match any way he can. It doesn't work out that way, uh, so he just punches Elias at ringside. Back in. Riddle catches him coming, catches Rollins coming back in, hits the draping DDT, and he's setting up for the RKO. Now, Rollins shoves off the RKO, which is the only way, you know, the only counter for it that most of us have seen. Uh, but Elias had started to make his way into the ring. So Riddle and Elias kind of bang heads together, and this leaves Rollins the perfect opening now that Riddle is down. He hits the stomp. He gets the win. Afterwards, he stomps Elias as well. Then he's setting up to stomp Riddle again, this time on the U.S. title, just to kind of put a bow on the evening. And he gets cut off by Mustafa Ali, who comes charging down from backstage, making good on his promise to be a problem. And Ali beats Rollins around the ringside, and Rollins escapes through the crowd as the show ends. Blah 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 blah. Look forward for uh, look forward to Rollins and uh, Mustafa at some point, but he I'm sure he's not done with Riddle either. Uh, other than that, we had uh, JBL showing back up, and you know I thought we were going to get Baron Corbin Layfield. You know I thought maybe we were going to get a black workout suit, a cowboy hat. All he really did, he's still wearing a stupid, like, uh, I don't know, not a bowler hat, but uh, like a, a fedora, but it, it didn't have the feather in it or whatever. He's still wearing a stupid hat, but he got rid of the Tommy Bahama shirt, and he's back to heights. He took on Dolph Ziggler with JBL at ringside. JBL could not have had more glorious things to say about him. I swear for a minute there, I thought I was listening to Don Callis talk about Kenny Omega. <laughs> John Smith, did you catch this match? Yeah, this is uh, with the choice of tights by Baron Corbin. Like, what did he ask for? Nude? 
Exactly. Like, half of it was black, and half of it literally was the same color as his skin. Yeah. So it looked really weird. But, um, you know, we get him and Dolph. We could go over 10 minutes. You know, the Ziggler hits all his moves, and Corbin ends up with the hitting the deep six, which is, like, the best move ever. And then the um, end of days, which is one of the best finishers ever. Uh, JBL, like you said, was just talking him up the whole time. You know, great promo by JBL beforehand, too. He ate up that pop when he was coming down to the ring. Like, he was a face. And then he just started tearing into the Oklahoma crowd. And, you know, you knew what he was doing. He needed to keep the, get them booing because they, you know, he didn't want any, they don't want anybody cheering Corbin because, you know, it was like a, you know, he's coming back. You know, a lot of people like to cheer when people come back. I don't agree with him keeping his music, you know, like the hat is a different story, but like, you know, they shouldn't have had that music. Yeah. And the but, Tron, uh, I mean, you heard the, the, there was the dollar bills still on his, his Tron and whatnot. And like, yeah. Like, so maybe, maybe we'll get that next week or maybe they're just like building towards that. Who knows? Yeah. <sighs> All right, gents. Well, that does it for Monday Night Raw. So, Gary, thank you. Thank you for joining us. I'm sorry we didn't. Uh, we well, didn't. Uh, you know, that's the next round of drinks are on me. <laughs> next week, we'll do it all over again, but we'll do it just a little bit better. But it was great to have you for the time that we did. But uh, until next time, sir. Yes. Again, big, big apologies. I'm very sorry. But I, I was going to just stay off and text. But I thought, no, I'll come on for a little bit and kind of <laughs> jump on. So thank you very much. Have a good rest of the show. I shall definitely see you all next week. All right. We loved having you for the time that we did. Right. Take care, guys. Later, Gary. All right. And I'm going to get in trouble for not having nameplates up that whole time with Gary on. So let's pop these back up for you and I, at least. I remember you put them up right when you came on. I guess when you put up a graphic, you didn't bring them yeah, up. Yeah, I just I haven't gotten used to that part yet, that the, the, the graphics knocked them out. All right. You and I are going to move on to Impact Wrestling. And you know what? We might as well start off with last week's main event. Uh, we started the show with Josh Alexander coming out. He's gone to war with Eddie Edwards. He's past that now. Eddie wasn't even there that night. His, he called out his challenge, his future challenger, Bully Ray. Steve Macklin came out. Moose came out. Everyone had nothing to say, but hey, Bully Ray's a scumbag. Don't trust him. I don't think Josh is dumb enough to have trusted him anyway, but that's where we were. And the last person to come out, who, you know, once again, one of these things is not like the other, Bobby Fish just came out and went like, yeah, I know, you know, he's a former world champion. He's a former world champion. He's a big guy who's probably a future world champion. But uh, I know you won't turn down a challenge. So I challenge you tonight, Josh Alexander, mm -hmm. the world champion. So that was the main event, John Smith. How'd that one work out? Uh, didn't work out exactly the way Bobby Fish wanted it to. I mean, I'm sure he was planning on having a great match, which it was. Um, the, the, they put on a clinic for over 15 minutes, I I would think. I don't know exactly how long the match was. I forget. I don't have your notes up right now. But, um, yeah, about eight, almost 18. Yeah. Almost 18, yeah. So, um, you know, at the end of the match, Bobby Fish brought him to the top rope and got pushed off. He was going to uh, superplex him, ends up getting moonsaulted on instead. Um, but Alexander locks in the uh, the ankle lock, but then 
Bobby Fish reverses him somehow into a triangle choke. Uh, <clears throat> Alexander ends up escaping it with uh, with a power bomb. <clears throat> ends up and then it eventually hits his. Uh, God, I, I, I'm so bad with these finishers. What's his finisher? Uh, the C4 spike. The C4 spike. Yeah, after the he power bombs him, he hits him with the C4 spike. It's the one, two, three, and retains the title. But then Frankie Kazarian comes out. And what I was hoping Mike Speedball Bailey would do after beating Kazarian is what Kazarian did. Thanks for watching, by the way, Mr. Kazarian. You know, stealing my ideas. Comes out and just basically says, option C. So he's given up his X Division championship as quickly as he got it. And I guess he's next in line, or I don't know how exactly option C works. Does yeah, he like, that's, match next, or what, what do they do usually? Uh, yeah, I think I think that's it. I think, well, let's put it this way. The next big event or semi-big event, because it's one of those uh, Impact Plus uh, specials that you get for whatever, six bucks or whatever, uh, is Overdrive, November the 18th. Okay. I think this one is penciled in tentatively as the main event for overdrive so you got josh alexander uh defending against frankie kazarian that will be a whole bunch of fun and what you know is going to come up because of that is there's going to be an x division car crash on that tick on that card to give us a new x division champion ultimate x again i hope yes look forward to that ladies and gents ultimate x is one of those matches where like you don't want to overdo something but i don't think you can overdo Ultimate X. You could have like five or six of those matches a year, and I don't think it would get old. I, I completely agree, and mostly because the guys that they bring in and the guys that they keep in, the, in that to be like every once in a while you get like you know I think Abyss at one point was the X Division champ. I don't want to see him in Ultimate X, which may have happened or may have not. I don't know, but every once in a while it's not the flippy guys that they put in that division for whatever reason. When they have the right guys there, you could do that as many times as you want to. You can't go wrong. And they, they do it so well. Word. Uh, we had uh, Killer Kelly defeating Tasha Steeles. They had, it was a no DQ match. So Savannah tried to get involved. Didn't really help all that much. But eventually that chain that uh, Killer Kelly had used in the past to get herself disqualified, she used that across Tasha's face to lock in the killer clutch and get the submission win. Uh, we had uh, Trey came out of an X-Division scramble. It was him against Alex Zane, Black Tarus, Laredo Kid, Kenny King, and Yuya, Yui Mori. Uh, Trey hit that, that damn move. I wish he would name it because it's kind of like the inverse of Murphy's Law, which is an awesome move. And when Trey does it in the other direction, it somehow looks even more amazing. Don't know what he calls it, but that's how he got the win. He hit that on uh, Alex Zane to get the win there. That had him going out in the parking lot and talking to Frankie Kazarian saying, hey, I think I'm next up. And Kaz was like, yeah, let's just wait and see how the night uh, plays out. Well, as John Smith just explained, Kaz cashed in uh, option C. So that win by Trey, as glorious as it was, ain't going to mean much of anything because there's going to be some kind of X Division car crash coming up. Uh, Vexed teamed up with Giselle Shaw to take on all three of the Death Dolls. Rosemary, Taya, and Jessica, and Vexed and Giselle Shaw got the win when Rosemary uh, 
got hit with a knee strike in the back of the head by Shaw that looked kind of ugly, but uh, she was taken out. One, two, three. Vex and Giselle Shaw. Vex and Giselle Shaw get the victory. I guess this is going to lead to Vex getting a, a rematch for their tag titles. I don't know where Giselle fits in, but I'm not too worried about it. Uh, getting back to Bully Ray, as everyone was calling him a scumbag all night, Tommy Dreamer was backstage and, you know, said to him, like, hey, man, I kind of brought you back. I know you did a lot for me earlier in my career, but I kind of brought you in here. I hope you're telling the truth about this. I'm turning the page. I want to do it right this time. Don't embarrass me. And Bully Ray said, yeah, of course, you know, I'd never do that to you, blah, blah, blah. Still no one really believes it, but those two left on good terms. And they even said, like, hey, let's tag up. So uh, the Bullet Club overheard them and said, well, let's have these old guys face the hottest new young team. And I thought it was going to be uh, Bay and Ace Austin, but I guess Juice is going to get involved here. Uh, so we're going to see Dreamer and Bully Ray tag up against Juice Robinson and Chris Bay. John Smith, what do you think happens in this one? Uh, <clears throat> you know, when it comes to the Bullet Club, I usually go with them. Because you know they usually try to keep the bullet club name strong, but um, considering who's you know in this match, Bully Ray just won that. Call your shot, and yeah, sure, Tommy could just take the pin anytime you want him to. But I think it has more to do with Bully than anything. So I think Bully's gonna, you know, pin one of the two. I got no call on who counts the lights on this one, but I got Dreamer and Bully winning. Yeah, I agree. I think somebody's taking a bully bomb in a one, two, three. Uh, that moves us forward to, uh, once again, as I said, Eddie Edwards was not there, but Maria Canellis was backstage kind of rallying the troops around. Okay, Eddie didn't get the title, but the OGK are still your tag champion. So uh, she's rallying the team around them, and uh, they're pissed, though, because they found out on this evening that they have to face Heath and Rhino. Uh, but no problem with that. They are going to continue to carry on the message of honor no more. That brings us to this week. The OGK will defend those tag titles against Heath and the returning Rhino. What do you think? Oh, right, this is a long time coming. Your first ever SmackDown tag team champions haven't held gold together in a long time. That's it. Uh, do they pull the trigger on it right now, right away? Uh, you know what? It's not for points, so I'm going to hope I'm willing it into existence. I'm going with Heath and Rhino on this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I, I know you don't watch a whole lot of AEW, so the OGK showed up on one I, of those two shows. I didn't know about that, actually. I saw yeah. that all over the internet, actually. So presumably those titles are coming off of them, but the way they tape you know, six months worth of programming in, in, in less than a week after one of those big pay-per-views. It's not definite that it's going to happen here, but because it's Heath and Rhino, I'm going to say it happens here. I'm going to agree with you. I want to see them uh, be your new tag team champions. Uh, also coming out of the Collier shot gauntlet, Eric Young and Rich Swan are going to go at it, renew uh, hostilities. Uh, this week on Impact, how do you see that one working out? Rich Swan and Eric Young. Didn't Eric Young take the title from him back back in the day? A yeah, years and ago? almost end his career. Yeah, they, uh, they, they yeah. had a very ugly feud. That this is really giving no yeah. nothing to. Hey, we're just going to jump back into this because we know these two hate each other. 
Yeah, and I don't think uh, Rich Swan ever came out like on top in that. So I'm gonna think I'm thinking maybe he he will here. You know, so I'm yeah. gonna go I'm gonna go with Rich Swan. All right, I'll I'll say EY. Once again, this one's not for points, so we don't really care all that much about it. But I'll say EY only because we know he's got those idiots running around in the yellow hoodies screaming "I am violence." We know he's got Dana in his back pocket. I I got a feeling that. There's a beatdown on Swan, whether it's after he wins, you could absolutely be right, or after Eric wins, it's you, you can almost guarantee it's going to happen. I'll say it happens after EY gets the victory, but I would not be surprised to be wrong. Uh, also on the card for this week, Taylor Wild, who made a sub, bit of a surprise return in the Collier Shot gauntlet. She takes on Mia Yim. How do you see that one working out? Hmm. Taylor Wilde. I'm not too familiar with her. What, yeah, should I know her from anything? No. She, they were doing those vignettes with Let's Get Wild. It was like, it looked like CBGB's bathroom. There was all like, but like she's got kind of a rock and roll style to her. But this she, is her debut? Well, she came back like six, eight months ago. And I don't know if she got hurt or if she was one of the people who had trouble getting across the border because she's Canadian. Uh, okay. uh, like all of a sudden she like you, you thought that there was going to be a nice build for her and then she's like disappeared again. So then you know she just kind of dropped in out of nowhere. So I have this, this I don't know what the point of this match is. Yeah. And if she's making her you know comeback match, you know, maybe uh maybe Mia Yim's next opponent gets involved and you know, you know, she loses because she gets distracted by somebody and yeah, I'll go with Taylor Wilde on this one. Okay, I'm going to agree with you on the the outcome, and I'm going to say that the 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 reason is a little differently. Once again, I know this is SpongeBobable, but uh, I keep reading that Mia Yim is pretty much done with Impact, so maybe this is her just putting somebody else over on the way out the door. Either way, I think we both agree Taylor Wilde probably going to win this one, but again, there's really no storyline at this point for this match, so we don't care all that much right. and another another one of those matches that how is this not on bti uh joe hendry do you believe in joe hendry uh, I, guess I, I guess i do uh, for now because they're they're because like they're just like pushing that on us yeah and you know it looks like i don't know anything about him he has, did, did he have a match yet uh, he was part of the Collier short, Shot gauntlet. Yeah, he, was. He, was down to, he was down to the last, like, six or seven, but he didn't do anything particularly brilliant in the match. And he's taking on Jason Hotch, who I think is uh, – they still do, like, their version of – even though it's not on TV, and I don't know if there's any way for you to watch it, uh, kind of like uh, their version of Tough Enough, where they bring guys in and wherever they're uh, – I think their PC is, like, somewhere up in Canada. Scott Demore runs it or whatever – one of their guys who won a contract to uh, wrestle at the PC, their version of the PC, is a guy named Jason Hotch. He's been kind of in action two times in the last couple of months. That's who Joe Hendry's taking on. So it's basically two guys you probably couldn't pick out of a lineup. But yeah. one had a whole bunch of really stupid vignettes recently. So who do you got? Yeah, so you got to go with vignette guy on this one. I, I believe in Joe Hendry for now. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And – uh I really set that one up all wrong because that was kind of a fart in the wind to go out on. But that's the end of impact for us. <laughs> we're 
we're going to roll forward into AEW. And this is this is uh, loosely your main event, although there is some stuff to take care of ahead of time. They're still around? <laughs> Luchasaurus <laughs> beat Jungle Boy uh, in a 14-minute match uh, where Christian didn't really get all that involved. He left the announce desk. You thought he was going to cheat. He just kind of was a specter there at ringside because he is still nursing that injury. Luchasaurus beat Jungle Boy on Dynamite. Uh, nothing moving forward with that one at this moment. Stokely Hathaway and Ethan Page were backstage with Renee Paquette, who made her debut in her hometown of Toronto last week. Uh, she was asking them some questions when Matt Hardy interrupted. He's pissed off to find out that the firm, which is Hathaway's little click there, bought private parties contracts away from Andrade, who I'm not sure if we're ever even going to see again, uh, the AFO. And Page challenged one member of private party, Isaiah Cassidy, to face him on Friday. If Cassidy could win, then the firm will release their contracts and let them go back with Hardy. But if Page wins, Matt Hardy's contract also goes to the firm. And, well, I think you can guess how that one worked out. Ethan Page, in like two and a half minutes, hit the ego's edge. And now Private Party and Matt Hardy are all under the umbrella of Stokely Hathaway and the firm. Uh, QT Marshall, this was one of my favorite moments of the week for AEW last week. Uh, QT Marshall came out and said that uh, Wardlow and Samoa Joe together, they came up with the name Ward Joe. I'm not impressed. That's a stupid name. Well, probably shouldn't say that when Wardlow and Samoa Joe are on their way out because that's what happened next. And QT and Nick Camarado got a beating again in two and a half minutes uh, by Wardlow and Samoa Joe. But that was all really a setup for Prince Nana and the embassy to come out. Brian Cage mentions FTR and they come out and FTR wants uh, a, they want a match with the embassy. But, you know, both Wardlow and Samoa Joe just put in so much work in that two-and-a-half-minute match. <laughs> possibly ask them to join them. They need a third. Well, we're in Toronto, and this is kind of loosely a pinnacle thing. So Sean Spears comes out, and he will join them. Fast forward to Rampage. FTR and Sean Spears beat Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony. It was a good ten-and-a-half-minute match. It was a good match, too. Uh, FTR hit the, the heart attack on the smaller of the two guys in Gates of Agony, which is still bigger than both guys in FTR. Uh, his, uh, he goes by Bishop Kwan, even though it's spelled K-A-U-N. I don't know what language that sounds like, Kwan, but anyway. Uh, Spears follows with his C4, which is a Death Valley driver, and gets the victory. Um, and da, 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 not really a whole lot going on there. Nyla Rose stole the TBS championship off of Jade and then defended it as if it was really hers. She beat Anna JAS and then Jade Cargill came down to get back her property. Nyla Rose escaped without uh, incident. She still has the belt. Uh, moving forward to the stuff that's happening this week on the Super Deluxe Tuesday edition of Dynamite. It is loaded with big-time matches. This isn't necessarily one of them. Uh, <laughs> on Rampage, the Dark Order were backstage uh, talking to Renee again when Jose interrupted. 
And number 10, Preston Vance is really pissed off and tired of Jose and Roosh and uh, Andrade and all of this crap. And they're also kind of pissed that they helped the Death Triangle beat the Dark Order in that trios titles match from two weeks ago. Vance says he's taking on Roosh this week, one-on-one. And there's not an actual stipulation, but he says, when I beat you, now you can just leave me alone for good, please. Fast forward to this week. It's on Dynamite. It's Roosh. It's Preston Vance. Who you got in this one? Um, I'm sorry, Preston Vance and who? I was reading something. Uh, no problem. Uh, Roosh, uh, the uh, Andrade's former partner. Yeah, LTV. I got you. I'm, I'm going to go with Roosh on this one. All right. Um, it's not for points, so... I mean, unless Prince, I keep thinking that this is leading to Preston Vance turning on the Dark Order, but then he's done nothing really to tell you that he might do that. I'm going to say Vance gets the win here just to put this in the rear view and they can move on because obviously this was all supposed to be for Andrade, but, you know, more backstage drama at AEW led to that not happening. So who knows? And oh, by the way, Stu Grayson made his return. He, showed up when the dark order were all had their hands in, they were going to go for a woe Bundy and all of a sudden an extra hand showed up and it was Stu number two on rampage. Uh, Arya Davari, uh, was pretty pissed off that envelope that he gave to hook a couple of weeks ago, that hook then eventually tore up. Well, there was a check for $50,000 in that because Arya Davari wanted to buy the FTW championship. Well, hook tore it up. And Ari said, Aria said, well, all right, fine. I'll just have to beat you for it. So this week on Rampage, we're going to get Davari versus Hook for the FTW title. John Smith, what say you? Hmm. On that list of FTW titles, you think Aria <laughs> Davari belongs on there? Uh, I'm going to go with no. Okay. So I'm going to say the, the real question is 90 seconds over under, sir. Um, I'm going to go slightly over, but nothing crazy. Okay. Yeah. I agree with you. I'll get his stuff in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. And now I don't even know what his stuff is, but, uh, you know, I guess we'll learn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, last week on dynamite, orange Cassidy won against Pac to take the all Atlantic championship. Oh my goodness. Uh, There was multiple attempts to use the timekeeper's hammer uh and i think there was three or four orange punches by the end to get the job done but in just a little under 11 and a half minutes orange cassidy did indeed get the job done he is your new all-atlantic champion best friends and dan housen celebrated with the new champ and then best friends decided that's really cool but we want some gold for all of us so this week Best friends are taking on the Death Triangle in a trios championship match on this very special edition of Tuesday Dynamite. Who you got in this one? Trios title, best friends, and Death Triangle. Uh, well, you got to have the Death Triangle win this one. There's no way Pac can lose both of his belts to the same guy. Um, yeah, he might, Cassidy might end up even being the one that Pac takes out. But now I'm going to go with... Dan Housen ends up getting pinned here, probably. <laughs> uh, hey, look at this. All his look, stuff. Look at this guy. How are you, sir? Thanks for tuning in. 
<laughs> it's gonna get all his stuff in. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, we we still don't like the fact that you're in first place, Mister uh, Brian Roy, even though your name was spelled wrong on that graphic. Uh, so we're all coming for you in your ninety plus point lead. Uh, <laughs> Me, I'm not. I'm not delusional enough to say I'm. I'm already down by like 190. So <laughs> yeah, right now we're all. It's it's a car crash for second place. At this I just point. want to be right about NXT. That's about it. Because like <laughs> I'm the NXT guy. I'm like at the bottom of the standings on that one too. Believe me, I feel your pain. Last week, when the 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 photo, when the the results were up of Bound for Glory, and I was at the bottom of the list, <laughs> my heart a little bit. <laughs> Word. Oh goodness. There we go. Rates fail. Yeah, we do. There are some big, big points coming up for the Survivor Series and the Rumble. So, we'll see. Well, I'm hoping one of these days he just forgets to submit his picks for one of those big shows. All right, moving forward, we have the AEW women's title. Last week, Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida teamed up to beat Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter when Shida actually reversed a roll-up and got the win on Britt Baker. But because AEW has no idea how to book their women's division, this week, Britt Baker, excuse me, not Britt Baker, Tony Storm takes on her partner there, Hikaru Shida, for the AEW Interim Women's Championship. John Smith, how do you see that one working out? I, I don't. I don't see any reason to take the belt off of Tony yet. You know, Shida's already been champ. You know, it'll probably go a good twelve minutes, put on a great match, and Tony might might uh, score a raw roll up for AEW with this one. There you go. I completely agree with you. There's no reason to take it off of Tony at this point. I wish we had some inkling what was going on uh, with uh, Jesus. How do I not even remember her name? Thunder Rosa, the 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 uh, the world champion. Uh, but uh, you know, if I if I had a better idea of the timeline of when we were going to get them to reunite these titles, I'd feel a little better about which way I was picking on this one. But either way, I still don't think there's a reason to take it off of Tony. So I agree with you, sir. Or uh, last week we saw Chris Jericho and 2.0, your boys. Um, I was they, wearing my Everize shirt today, actually. <laughs> they were backstage talking about how Daniel, uh, here we go again, Brian <laughs> Danielson uh, broke up their happy family by uh, trying to poach Daniel Garcia, and they were going to make him eat some um, uh, some humble pie. And Chris Jericho went out and retained the ROH championship against Brian Danielson because when Menard and Parker tried to get involved, Daniel Garcia came down to ringside and looked like he was trying to help, not necessarily help Danielson, but keep things fair at least. And then he wound up whacking Danielson with the ROH title and uh, Jericho got to retain Fast forward to Rampage, the Jericho Appreciation Society all welcomed uh, Garcia back in. Garcia said that while Danielson was his hero and did teach him all about heart, Jericho taught him how to win. He's a sports entertainer, and that's all there is to it. Uh, this brought out Dalton freaking Castle on the stage, and he says that his peacock power and the peacock power of him and the boys will allow him to beat Chris Jericho if Chris Jericho would just give him a shot. 
Well, Jericho accepted, and this week in Cincinnati on our special Tuesday Dynamite, Chris Jericho will defend the Ring of Honor, or Ring of Jericho as he is now calling it, World Championship. He wants to run through all the former champs. And now remember, Dalton Castle was champ, I think, for a long time in uh, Ring of Honor. And uh, he made a point of saying that he broke his back for that title, literally. And it means a lot to him. And Jericho is trying to basically dump on Ring of Honor in general, and especially the World Championship. So how do you see this one working out? Um, Jericho's not losing the belt to him. No, I don't see that happening. Maybe they mentioned the whole breaking his back thing because Jericho's going to make him like pass out with a uh, walls of Jericho or whatever he call it, wants to call it now. Is it still called the walls of Jericho? Yeah, when it's just the Boston Crab, it's the walls of Jericho. When he puts his knee in his back, it's the Lion Tamer because he brought back the, the Lionheart gimmick. So yeah, either way, one of them's going to probably get Castle to tap. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I, thinking he passes out Stone Cold I, style. You know what? Even better. And then Jericho refuses to release it because, again, he's being just an absolute d-hole to everyone involved in Ring of Honor. Yeah, this this is this is going to get more fun before they take the belt off of uh, Jericho here. All right, and that brings us to the the big time here. Uh, we have a World Championship match last week on Rampage. Moxley and Claudio beat Butcher and the Blade. Uh, afterwards, <coughs> Adam Page got in Moxley's face. They had a little back and forth. There seems to be a respect there, but Page didn't like it when Mox referred to him the week before as a nice kid because he's a man, damn it. He's a cowboy. Well, they're going to go at it. It's in Moxley's hometown of Cincinnati. He's defending the AEW World Championship against former champ Hangman Adam Page. How do you see this one working out? I don't think Page has a shot at this. You know, they're, they're not going to just take the belt right back off of Moxley after they had planned to have him lose it so quickly to, to Punk. You know, I think this is going to be a longer reign. You know, not not too long. I hope. You know, because this is his third time already. But um, yeah. And when they do change, have the title change hands, it's not going to be on a on a TV show. It's going to be on the paper on a pay per view, most likely. You know. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you there. And uh, remember that the person waiting in the wings with that big stupid poker chip that he's still carrying around is MJF. So when it happens, like you said, especially if it's going to be MJF to take it off of him, it's going to happen at a pay per view because it's going to be a big big money fight. Like, is does the poker chip work the same way the money in the bank does, where you could like cash it in? You know, they've never said that specifically, but uh, you know, yeah, I don't remember anyone running down the ringside and hitting anybody over the head with the poker chip. So, and MJF has kind of played it like, you know, you'll know when I'm coming for you. I'll announce yeah. it, I'll take it, and blah blah blah. So, all right, that that pretty much does it. How about that? We actually got yeah, we made it. Yeah, not bad. So let's get to Royal Roll-Ups. Yes, indeed, sir. Where are we here? Okay, here we are. Here are the Roll-Ups that we've gone over uh, throughout this show for the week, which puts us at the – wow, look at that. AEW with a six Roll-Up lead on Raw. SmackDown, I, I don't know what happened. You know, I mean, 
uh, Xavier's there. He's using it as his finishing maneuver. We, we need to get him back in the ring so we can get those numbers up. It is only, uh, you know, two hours long, though. So if we prorate it, it's probably like a like a 37. So they're pretty close. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, when we do the math at the end of the year, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. Here we I do this wrong again. Here we are. Uh, Xavier uh, Woods, however, is still leading in the individual stats, followed by Wheeler Yuta, since he's been using that seatbelt maneuver, and The Miz at the top of the losses, where I really, really enjoy seeing him. Uh, so that's going to do it for that part right there. Da, 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 da. Hey, oh, here you go. Here's a, here's a friend of ours giving us some information. Yeah, MJF gets it whenever he wants it. Yeah. We'll see when that actually happens. Uh, what's the next one? Uh, Revolution is in February. What's the next one coming up? Full gear, I guess. So look for that perhaps around that time. All right. Now we get to the great part of the show where oh, yeah. we get to stumble through some live read. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the primetime rundown is back on its usual day and time. Join Joey Jerzyka, Ian Schreier, and Mike Zabel as they return to Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time with everything you need to know in the world of sport. Speaking of the primetime rundown, we've got a little football pool against them, and this week our team did not so great. And in the overall, we are continuing to be not so great. Two wins behind, but we're up by four losses, so that's going to come back and bite us. And in case you're wondering who Al Carl has got coming up this week, that's just not nice. But <laughs> he's still taking it so personally that I picked the Patriots to lose a couple of weeks ago in a game where they just barely lost and should have gotten killed their backup quarterback. Anywho, back to the primetime rundown and the, the whole Eastern Observer fan family. Uh, do you have an interest in becoming a sports reporter? Would you want to be asking high-profile coaches and players questions in person? Are you a college student looking to break into the sports media industry and looking to write about your favorite team? Well, the Eastern Observer is looking for interested candidates to join the family, and it's for college credit. So look no further. Aspiring writers, social media specialists, content creators, etc. You can inquire by emailing eosports3 at gmail.com. We're looking forward to having you join the Eastern Observer family. And speaking of the Eastern Observer... The Black Cats NYC are the official band of the Eastern Observer. And wherever you get your music, you can get their album, Free Cake. It's out now. Play loud. As always, the EWP, the Essential Wrestling Podcast, is sponsored by Pro Wrestling Pick'em, the internet leader in sports entertainment pick'em pools. Join us in the EWP public pool. Play against us. To create a private pool with just you and your friends, pwp.com. Play against your friends, play against the universe, and ladies, gentlemen, fellas, yeah, you know what the rest of it is. Still like it too. There you go. 
Join us back here next week for episode 124, 5 p.m. on all of the viewing options where you are consuming right now. And while you're watching and listening, make sure you like this episode and subscribe to the Eastern Observer to make sure you get all the updates on all of our shows and news articles. And remember, it is all about the algorithm. <laughs> John Smith, do you have any parting words of advice for us? Parting words of advice? Well, I haven't asked that for a while. <laughs> uh, no, nothing off the top of my head. Um, I had a Lebowski situation the other day. Did uh, you too? <laughs> you know when he's driving in the car and he goes to throw his joint out the window, but the window wasn't open? <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. So you now have a shirt with a little burnt hole in it somewhere? Oh no, it went it went down between my legs and everything. Yeah. Oh, so it was a full-on Lebowski. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. So I, I guess that's going to do it for us. So let's get to the. Here you go, Alexa Bliss. As always, we love you, Larry Steve. Always in our hearts. Uh, Zaya Brookside. How did my pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers work out this week? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I picked them too, man. Uh, unbelievable. I'm one and six. I can't. I, I can't. Like I should. Whatever I pick, I should bet against on Sunday. It's amazing. They're really. There have just been some wacky, wacky outcomes in the NFL this year. I cannot believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. We stole your gimmick, there, buddy. <laughs> That's why I'm wearing my Jets stuff now because I know I don't really get much of a chance to brag, and we're four and two right now, so. Usually I wear my wrestling, but I gotta I gotta rep my Jets right now. It is a crazy, crazy world we live in. A couple of weeks ago, when the Jets and Giants won on the same weekend, it was the first time that it happened in like I don't even remember how many years. And now they've done it two weeks in a row, or is it three? I don't even know. Three. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Unreal. Jets Giants Super Bowl. That's it. The Subway Super Bowl coming to, you know, too bad this this is the year that the Super Bowl is in Philly. What's it, 40 is going to be in, or the, well, that's WrestleMania 40. What the hell am I talking about? I am so frazzled by the end of this. Forget it. John Smith, thank you for hanging out with me and helping me fumble through this whole thing. And as we always say here, thank you all out there for joining us. And as always, we wish you the best in all of your future endeavors. Till next time. Peace.